Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. The off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. Brian Pierce here, your host for this fine Tuesday evening in wet, wet Texas. Uh, you'll recognize the fine, fabulous gentleman next to me. On my right is Papa Pierce. How's it going, dude? Well, hello there. You having a? Uh, what, have you have you uh, decided to leave Texas yet? After all this rain? Well, just came from Arkansas, you know. And, and dirt bike riders tend to wear these sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. But actually, down here, it's more like. Remember the national that we didn't have. The, yeah. uh, we need more like I brought my emergency rations and stuff like this in case I have to float my way home. Uh, I've never seen this much rain, even in Louisiana when we lived there. It was amazing. Um, this this place is, is about ready to call the drought done. Yes. We're going to start shipping water to California. Yeah, we're well. I think more, uh, yeah, I think all the Californians that have been moving to Texas might decide that they made a mistake. Uh, they don't want this much water in their life. And they're going to call it quits. Yeah, it's been pretty nuts around here. Uh, we, we haven't even had a chance to ride in a very long time unless you really, really, really wanted to wash your bike for three hours. Like if that was just kind of yeah. what what you – you know, you were just in the mood to, to wash your bike more than you did actually want to ride it, that would be the way to do that's so. that's if you go street riding. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty nuts. The 990 just – it just stays grungy. <laughs> I don't wash it. It's better that way. It's better used. Um, so Seat Time, the online show for the offer enthusiasts. Thank you guys very much for joining us here. We are brought to you by Fly Racing. So if you guys haven't noticed, uh, a lot of their athletes have been wearing the new uh, kinetic mesh gear out there at the Outdoor Nationals at a lot of the off-road races. That is gear that you can purchase now either through flyracing.com or a lot of the online retailers. But best way to do it is go to your local re- go to your local store, your local dealer, and to, to grab some fly racing gear that way, the uh, best way to support the economy and obviously your local racing to do that. Um, of course, Kinda Tire, so kindatire.com, you can learn more about those guys and what they've got going on. Obviously, if you're in the off-road realm, you should know about Kinda Tire. If you don't, definitely go learn a little bit more by checking out their website. But they're the ones that are bringing in a lot of cool hybrid tires into the market. Um, this is yeah. good for guys that do enduro cross, maybe some hard enduros. Or if you ride in areas that might be like Texas right now, that are extremely slick. Uh, we just don't have as many rocks, though, as you would think. Uh, yeah. That you could use a lot of those tires on the gummier tires that would do that would do a lot of good for everybody. And then, of course, Stillwell Performance. So Stillwellperformance.com. You can go to their website to learn more about those. Alan Stillwell, would you say extremely intelligent oh when it gosh. comes to suspension? What, what he's forgotten more than the rest of us know <laughs> about suspension. So I'm amazed every time he comes on your show. He, he just is a fount of information. Yes, it's it's pretty intense. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to what Stillwell has bestowed upon us here at Seat Time, you can go to our YouTube channel or the site and search for Stillwell Performance. And, of course, you'll be able to find the times he has been on the show and some of the other segments that he's talked to us about. Um, it's insane what that guy knows and what he's done, especially when it comes to 4CS. Again, I have had my 4CS done and my full 350 set up by him, but I haven't had a chance to ride it yet because we haven't really had a dry day. And if it's been a dry day, it's been one of those days where, hey, I'm at work. It's a Wednesday. So Yeah, and it's, it, that's, that's, that's no good for nobody. So it's just that's the way it is. So definitely, if you enjoy seat time and want to go support the ones that support us, please go check out uh, Fly Racing. Kind Tire and Stillwell Performance, and we thank them for their support. So as we were talking about 
this is Seat Time. You can find us on Stitcher and iTunes. Of course, the website, seattime.co. We're on all the social networks. You can find us all over those kinds of places. Best thing to do is just subscribe to all those fun places, and then that way you can just go ahead and learn about us on the fly as it is happening, as you should. Chat room, if you guys want to jump in here really quick, we will have Justin Jones and Robbie Bell on shortly to talk. If you'd like to jump in the chat room and help them help us kind of bring the show to you guys definitely check it out tlk.io slash seat time for that um and something that's going to be coming up that we've uh, excited that we kind of announced it late in the show last time but adventures though the seat time adventures right so if people wanted to learn more about that adventures.seattime.co is where you can do that and what that's going to do is so we're putting on our first kind of seat time ride uh, bring a lot of the fun, goofy stuff that we like to talk about and do here on the show and, and, and do it in person live for all of you fans. And we're going to document the crap out of it, uh, have a lot of fun doing it. Of course, it's going to be some bitchin' bitchin' trails there in Colorado. The single track's amazing. Uh, people are kind of talking like, oh, it costs money. Well, yeah, it costs money because there's a place to stay. There's documenting it. There's giving a donation to the TPA, the Trail Preservation Association, there in Colorado. Right. Of course, th- there's so much that goes on, and this is the first year we're doing this. So there's no, we're not making any money. This is us just going out and putting this on for you guys and kind of, Figuring it out, we're you know learning a lot as we go along. It's been great talking to all the riders from the East Coast and from Texas that are very interested and that are already coming. Uh, kind of what they expect, what we might you know try to bring to them, and how it's going to step up any other time they've been to Colorado or maybe they've never been to Colorado. So if you're interested at all, adventures.seattime.co is where you can go. Um, if nothing else, sign up for the newsletter. With that comes out about every other every other week. Uh, just a little bit more information about the ride. And then what that will do as well is once this ride happens, videos come out, we'll post it there, and then you will be elevated to the top of the list for 2016. So. And I've, I've ridden in many states in this country, but by far the Gunnison Basin in Colorado, there's nothing better. Yeah. I mean, it's just everything. You can climb your way up a rocky mountain. You can slug your way through a swamp. You can even... Find your way down a gravel road if you want. <laughs> and uh, except for the gravel road, there's going to be a lot of everything in this event. And, you know, it's poor Stephen over here who's turning the dials. He and I want to ride desperately, but we'll be the support crew. You know, we'll we'll have the uh, the support truck out there for folks who need a emergency gas or need to fix a little of this or fix a little of that on the trail. Or, um, lo and behold, even if we need a tow rope. Uh, <laughs> no, no, don't say that. Don't say that. But uh, looking forward to being out there again, even if it is in a support vehicle instead of on a motorcycle. But what we can do fun. is we'll uh, we'll put a motorcycle on the trailer, and then Stephen can drive the truck, and you can sit on the trip, uh, sit on the bike, sit on, on the, the trailer. bike on the trailer, and imagine that yeah, I still have two feel, knees. Yes. Feel the wind in your hair. I'm bringing my razor. So and we've already figured out places for that, so that's going to be yeah. fun for you guys yeah. as well. We're, we're uh, yeah, so the biggest thing is that what's the, you know, the fun that we like to have here at Seat Time, we're trying to bring that to everybody out there that pays attention. So if you're interested, please go check it out, adventures.seattime.co. I think it's going to be a good time. I'm and looking if, forward if to you, it. If you really want to look into it, just look into the Gunnison Basin for trails, Taylor Park, in and out of the Crested Butte area, and just the number of amazing trails, goat trails, uh, just up the sheer side of a mountain trails across the top of a ridge line they're all there yeah they are all there 
They are all places I've probably fallen off of before. But they're all there, and they're all there to have fun, and that's what we're going to be doing. That's the plan. So uh, it was pretty neat because uh, we're going to have Justin Jones on here in a little bit, and he is actually – raced at Glen Helen this past weekend where he qualified for Glen Helen, yeah. raced, got 28th overall with 226s. And obviously that works out weird. You know, sometimes people are like, well, how does that work? And the whole two-moto format, so somebody just did better on their second or first than he did and on one of And it's not just one point for one place. Right, yeah. So it's a little weird, but that's okay. I mean, congrats to him because that is going to be awesome. So it's going to be cool to be able to chat with him. But So we are going to be in Lakewood this coming weekend, yes, we which are. is going to be a lot of fun. So we talked about Fly Racing. Fly Racing was nice enough to to get us some VIP passes for that event. So Dad and I are going to go up there together. We're flying out really late Friday night and coming back early on Sunday morning just because it's kind of as it's, it's quick as we can, kind of a run-and-gun type trip, uh, just yeah. trying to spend as little time away as possible from the family uh, more than we'll anything else. We'll have plenty to document the website with when we get back. Yeah. Well, Might almost need these when we get up there too. Cause... Yeah. It, so <laughs> it's going to be interesting. We were looking at the weather, and it's yeah. like, oh, my gosh. Like, so we've never been. Have you been to the Lakewood National? I don't think well, so. We've seen it a thousand times. Right. We, you, we're driving past since, it on our way to. Ever since the early 90s. Brian and I are driving back and forth to ski areas and whatnot. We've always driven past this course going, man, I would love to go there. That looks well, awesome. this weekend we get a chance to go there. It's, it's, on ride. The, it's on the side of a mountain, and, man, the temperatures are going to be deadly. It's going to be like 46 in the morning, a high of 67. That's awesome. The only problem is 60% chance of rain on Friday and 40% chance of rain on Saturday. Yeah. So on the side of a hill, everything's off camber sort of. Uh, and it's going to be a mud race. That'd be gnarly. I think that we could actually probably go race it just because of the fact that nobody's going to be able to jump anything. No, yeah, it's not a jump race. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It'd be, uh, like, be like riding Sarah Enduros down in the mud down in Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. <laughs> yeah, with oh, those things. With oh. the, the, the big old mud puddles that would suck you up and just bury your bike. Like the, that would be interesting if that happened in Colorado. Do you think that it's a it's a rock base under there? So if they got too deep into a mud mud puddle, that they would have a rock base in the, the bottom of that track? They have probably disked and and refilled that place so many times. The rock base, it's there. Of course, it's Rocky Mountains. It's there, but it might be a little deep. There there'd be some places where the rocks come up, like at Glen Helen last mm. weekend, where. You could see guys going up Mount St. Helen and, and they'd, jumping at the very top. They'd try to jump it at the top, and they'd they'd hit the ruts and they'd get knocked three feet sideways. By all of a sudden, there's a rock sticking out in the rut. Right. Um, you might see a little of that. Yeah, if um, they can go fast enough. Yeah, I know it's going to be cool. And one of the things that's neat is this VIP experience that we're going to be able to do with, um, you know, with fly racing. That that's one of the things that I'm super excited about. Uh, not not because of like oh we get VIP treatment, but just it's going to be neat to kind of. Um, to to kind of see what what that entails, like yeah. what does a VIP treatment, you know, ticket get you? I've never done anything like that at a motocross race before, so obviously we got a chance to do the BTO experience this past year at the Dallas Supercross, and just the track walk in itself, being able to do that with my dad was absolutely epic. Um, it's right. so VIP passes back in '76 when I raced pro motocross. Yeah. So okay, yeah. now now what was the last time you went to an outdoor national? Uh, Let's see. When's the last outdoor national I raced in? I probably Wagaman in '76. Well, okay. So, how do you think your experience at Lakewood this weekend, besides not riding it, is going to change from you know 40, 30 years ago? Well, remember we were on the Batcher. For those of you that don't know what a Batcher is, that's the area between the Mississippi River and the main levee. So it got pretty slimy. 
you know, the Wagaman track could get pretty slimy. And what they had, a lot of times you would jump into ravines and then jump out of the ravine, and you'd have 40, 50-foot drop-offs. You literally would come down off of a, a levee down into the bottom of it, which was always slimy and muddy and gnarly, and then you'd have to crawl your way out the other side and try to jump out of it. Um, you know, anybody who races motorcycles down south has got to be used to mud. Yeah, that's true. Um, so we're gonna uh, we've seen um, we're kind of talking about motocross a little bit just because we're trying to get some of the guys on the show and everything. But also since we're gonna be going, it's kind of good to refresh ourselves. And then Justin Jones did just race there, so it is gonna be interesting to see. It's like so we saw uh, Ryan Dungey not not do as well as I think some of it expected, but then Eli Tomac did way w- just as bad as well as he did the week before at, at Hangtown. So. Uh-huh. It's going to be cool to see what these guys bring to the table. So, Justin, I see that your face has popped up. We have to ask, um, just right out of the gate, I have to say, your your weekend was probably amazing, right? Um, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is Justin Jones was able to join us. So one of the reasons, the Justin Jones, fantastic off-road racer, uh, racing on his Honda this year, KTMs before that, been to the uh, ISDE, helped the, the trophy, the junior trophy team win the trophy last year. Um, fantastic, talented dude. But what he went and did this past weekend is what I think tons of off-road racers would love to be able to say that they did is, one, qualify to race with the 40 racers out on the track and then does it and doesn't get last place. Um, even, even if you did and didn't get, you know, got lap, blah, 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 last place, it's still doing way better than probably seven-eighths of us out there. But you didn't. You did fantastic out there with two 26s, which gave you a 28th overall. So you missed a works race to do this. So kind of take us through you know, what kind of got up, you know, what caused you to want to try to qualify for a national and get out there and then prove it and do it and have fun while you did it? Well, I, uh, I had all intentions to, uh, actually race the works race. I just, uh, had a little bit of a health issue this year. I've, uh, been dealing with uh, a bleeding ulcer all year and, um, it's tough for me to do like intensity endurance races like the works race and stuff like that so um anything like kind of minor like 30 to 40 minutes of high intensity i can do but uh, anything over that it's actually uh pretty painful so um i was kind of going off based how i feel i was my dad and i were planning on making the trip up as soon as uh the race was over gonna pack up head to utah but um i just wasn't feeling up to it so i didn't end up doing that but uh what made me do it was man i mean who doesn't want to race a motocross yeah i mean <laughs> you've, you've looked at it since you were a kid i mean everybody that's raced a motorcycle has seen uh ama national motocross so um i mean that's been a dream of mine since i was a kid to even qualify to do the parade lap and look at all the fans and stuff like that so um and then also my dad being a uh, four-time national champion uh that, that doesn't doesn't yeah. hurt either i wanted to at least see what i could do but um yeah as for my performance it wasn't um, too great. I think I could have done better. I didn't uh, exactly. I wasn't even really able to prepare as well as I wanted to. I've been just really struggling with my body and uh, kind of trying to keep it low key. But I mean, I mean, your health is is more important than any race when it comes down to it. So yeah. And what was uh, the, just so I can kind of like Google it and get a little bit more research later on. We don't need to go into too much depth. But what was the the the, the health issue that you were dealing with? Uh, it's a, it's a bleeding ulcer. So, uh, basically the hole in your stomach lining and, uh, main cause of that is just stress and, and things like that from uh, the beginning of the year. But, 
Uh, I'm on my road to road to recovery and um, awesome. Well, that's, that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of milkshakes and Pepto Bismol. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I've I've lived racing all year on like Pepto Bismol, but uh, pretty much had enough of that, and I uh, it's time to get it fixed. And luckily, we got two two month breaks to uh, the next work race, pretty much. So hopefully, I'll uh, get it figured out by then. Right on. So. Now, it sounds like watching, you know, kind of following you on social media and stuff like that and seeing what you've been talking about in a lot of the dirt bike magazine tests that you've done, you know, you're very local to Glen, Glen Helen. Glen Helen is kind of where you would go to practice. So not just, I want to race a national motocross, but I want to race at Glen Helen and do really well there is a big part of that. So, you know, in the spirit of that, how often do you really ride there? Uh, Glen Helen is like my second home. I ride there probably like twice a week. At the least, um, I know the owner really well. I've grown up racing there. I know the manager. Um, dude, Glen Allen is home to me. So right. to do it in front of uh, you know all my family and friends and just everybody that I know there was absolutely amazing. Um, I, I can only imagine. I, I'd say though that track is is nationally prepped is nothing like it is like on a weekly basis is completely different. Yeah, okay, that's a that's an awesome point because take us through that because there's a lot of schmucks like myself. Well, we'll go out to a motocross track, well, it's been a long time for me, to a prepped motocross track for practice and all that kinds of stuff. But as you just said, this prepped for a national motocross race is so different. So kind of just explain that in as much detail as you think you can for us because I bet you that will open some eyes to people. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Multiply your hardest day at the track by like at least ten. Whoa! And then, uh, then that's a national motocross track. Plus, we got a, a little bit of rain before, which made it extra deep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, they always rip it deep, but I think with with the rain, it, it softened it up, and the ruts were just huge. I think in practice, there was about one line around the whole track, and like at least a two foot rut in each corner, at least. So with the way that they disc it and they and everything, it just all the the ruts are getting deeper. There's more of them. The braking bumps, obviously, they come out a lot easier. So then they're a lot deeper. Um, and is that kind of like what you, a lot of how the track gets nastier? Yeah, and uh, what was really nasty, I thought this year was the, the lips, all the jumps was like at least 20 ruts on every single lip. So you pretty much had to commit it. And then the jump's huge too, so you're just full committed or or not. Yeah. So it, it's uh, – <laughs> pretty brutal but what was cool i thought about uh actual the way the track developed is that you know you only had uh quality racers racing riding on the track so where the bumps and all the ruts developed was was actually really cool i mean like for the most part the straightaway itself stayed pretty smooth and then the braking bumps would just bunch up actually in the corner so you didn't have like the slower lines and all the lines flowed a lot easier and it made like the corners really cool but it also multiplied the bumps by like twelve. Like they were huge. Yeah. It felt like whoops at the end of the day. You know what I took from that is that that meant that he's lucky. He was just happy he wasn't riding with me. Well, the other thing too is remember he said at, at the lip of every jump he had like twenty ruts. On a amateur weekend there'd be two or three. Yeah, because the am- yeah. that's the main exactly. thing I noticed when when you know I would race at a national is places that would normally be one or two ruts going around places all of a sudden the pros at practice would open up five or six or ten more so you don't get that nasty gnarly one rut line around the track you've got like you said you've got expert riders that spread it out a little bit and you don't get these these terrible 
breaking ruts, you get manageable breaking ruts. Although on TV sometimes they still looked a little gnarly. Remember, yeah. I did this when we had six inches of suspension, uh, as as did your dad. But he yeah. was he was a lot better than I was, uh, <laughs> even on his Can Ams. I think you you did you make it to did you per qualify for four nationals? Oh, that was Supercross. You had a few, right? Uh, one of the super one of the Supercrosses at Houston, and then a, uh, the nationals, a couple of the nationals. And then I went to a couple of Trans AMA qualifiers, but did boy. So yeah. I think his dad yeah. has more national titles than professional than have, races you've made. Yeah, right. He has as many <laughs> titles as I have. You know how many national races I've qualified for? So yeah, well, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> did okay for a school teacher. Oh uh, yeah, I think you know, that's for a guy awesome. on a school teacher side. Yeah, because it, it's I did cool. All right. The you know the old and I can imagine it was the same way for your father. Like when you see. On any Sunday, you know, all the dudes in their vans with the long hair, shirts off, and the crazy mustaches. Like, there's pictures of that guy, you know, and it's probably to imagine the save of your dad. Like, it looks like they would have been on or in on any Sunday. Well, uh, my so. van and I were in on any Sunday, too. Oh. When they went to Wagaman. And, Is that and, when you crashed? And, and No, no, no. I did, I did okay. <laughs> I didn't finish last. I didn't finish 28th. So, besides... Uh, you said it, you didn't feel like you rode as good as possible, and that's okay. It sounds the bleeding ulcer got to be horrible to deal with, and it, it sounds like it's been definitely hurting you, keeping you from doing works as much as you want to, or riding that that amount of distance. Um, you, I think what you did at Glen Helen is completely respectable. Is any of more of that in your future? Like, there's a chance we're going to see you at Lakewood this weekend, or are we going to see you at some more nationals that are a little bit closer to home? Um, no, I won't be at Lakewood. Actually, uh, I'm going to leave Friday for the, the Baja 500. So, uh, I won't be at Lakewood, but, um, you know, maybe, I mean, uh, I might do, might try, uh, the USGP even at the end of the year at uh, Glen Helen as well. So yes. maybe another home field advantage, but I mean, it's all up in the air. I haven't even looked at the schedule or anything yet, but that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Um, I'd like to see what I can actually do when I'm healthy and, and can train the proper way for, uh, for what I need to be. That'd be uh, pretty cool to see what I really got. Yeah, I think before I got obviously tons more questions, but one of the things before we kind of get off the motocross suspension, I feel like that's got to be the biggest thing that you just have to dial in properly. Now, since you ride at Glen Helen so much, was that easy to set up, or because of what you said about how it's ten times nastier, it was actually horrible, and you didn't do a very good job setting up suspension? Kind of because I know that's got to be super touchy. Um, you know, actually my guys at, uh, HM factory services, they, uh, they really set it up really well. I didn't know what to expect and, and they did. Um, I, I'm really, I'm on like the really, really soft side coming from off road. So it was a pretty big adjustment, you know, just to even have it sprung stiff enough for the big jumps that I wasn't really expecting. But, um, you know, it's just, uh, what'd you just throw? What was that? <laughs> So, in case anybody's wondering, there was a clicking noise going on in the background that probably everybody could hear except the guy doing it, and it was my dad clicking a pin. And Stephen twice uh -oh. now told him to stop, and Stephen finally just goes, "Give me the pin, just give me the pin." <laughs> totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> Man, we can't even have a good show. No, it's we're talking suspension, and it's much stiffer. <laughs> and your guys did a great job for you. Take it from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, I even think I was still a little soft, and, and that's what uh, my guys predicted too. That'd still be a little soft, but um, it's a big change going from off-road suspension to full oh. motocross suspension. So, I mean, I think we hit it out of the park first try, definitely. Yeah. Was that? Is your your girlfriend ever complained about you being too soft? 
<laughs> she hasn't yet, so I don't know. Hi -oh. Maybe later. I, you you can't leave that kind of stuff just lying around. I'm gonna have to just play with that kind of stuff while it's out there. If you know what I mean. <laughs> so dirt bike magazine testing. You your bike is actually yeah. on the cover this month. Um, yeah, that's got to sure be pretty is. wicked. I, I got the magazine in the mail and I was like, oh, I know that bike because I've stared at it a lot, looking at all the off road stuff. I was like, awesome, because it seems like this year, you know. With going into 2015, it almost seemed like you weren't going to be riding a dirt bike, like unless you had a, as a complete hobby, you know, with a three rail trailer going out to Glen Helen on a practice day for fun. But I, it seems that now with the program that you're on and a lot of the the friends that have backed you and, and, and longtime sponsors, that you're maybe your name actually is a little bit bigger, is is getting more coverage now from where you're at. So I'd imagine you've got to have fun doing all the testing that you're doing with with Dirt Bike Magazine. Oh yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, I think even just being like the lone Honda guy off road is is contributed to uh, my status for sure. But um, and actually, I think uh, the beginning of the year when all that was going on, I wasn't sure if I was going to be racing, didn't have any bikes, set, and then uh, I think that really contributed to my health issue a lot. Um, actually, when uh, when Honda said, "Yeah, we're going for it, we're going to help you out," um, my bikes were actually stuck on. Uh, port in la because uh, the, the the guys were striking so i didn't have my bikes for like three months so i was riding in 2013 for the first couple of years first oh, couple man. rounds so uh, i think uh i'm gonna blame that fully on uh, my health condition right now so <laughs> i could uh, i could only imagine it's hard, to, it's hard to go racing and commit to something um full out when you've got a uh when you don't have a motorcycle so i was actually borrowing one just to do the first couple of rounds. But um, no, once I got bikes, it's like game on, man. Things have been great. My bikes are absolutely amazing. Um, the whole setup, um, everybody that's helping me out is, is, is really amazing how it came together last minute. And uh, I couldn't be happier. I mean, it just keeps getting better month after month. So Yeah, we've, we've noticed Honda uh, almost slyly, if you will, making an, a push into the off-road market. Back um, in. Yeah. Kind of backdooring it in. Um, with the support of JCR and Chris Bach on their team, kind of on the East Coast, it looked like they were just wiping the slate clean. But what they did is they kind of, you know, scooted JCR, their support with JCR, over to Chris Bach there in the GNCC, and then, you know, they came under that came under support you for this year. Um, and from both of you guys, Chris Bach and yourself, it sounds like you're getting a lot of support from Honda. Where you would, it almost seems like it would be the other way around. They're kind of like, oh, cool, you know, we like you guys. Here's some help. Have a couple bikes. Don't call us again because we got nothing for you. But it sounds like it's just the opposite that they're very supportive. Um, I think JCR is getting uh, a lot of support, and my stuff is more like the back deal. Maybe one guy doesn't know what I'm actually getting, kind of deal. Like I used, <laughs> kind of used my dad's name and uh, a couple companies to help me out, like Henson Racing clutches and. Um, just kind of stuck their neck out for me, and yeah. I think we put together a solid program. And and at the at the, at the end of the day, racing to a company is all about um, showcasing their product, and and just to have a uh, you know all everybody's product on the cover of a magazine, a dirt bike magazine, it's absolutely amazing. So um, it's kind of coming full circle. So I'm hoping to uh, to make it even a bigger effort next year, hopefully. Yeah. Man, that's cool. Yeah, I was stoked because I remember when you were on the show last was right after you won the the gold medal at the G, at the ISDE, and then that's when you kind of were like, "Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing next year." So if anybody wants to help, I was like, "Holy crap!" 
But then, you know, a little bit later, we did come to find out. I didn't even know about the bikes being in, in the L.A. Harbor. Uh, that's pretty nuts. Yeah. So, and I can yeah. imagine that definitely leading to a bleeding ulcer or even uh, more anxiety uh, concerns that could come up. So we were talking ISDE. You're going back this year, yeah. going to be on the junior trophy team yeah. again, going to be trying to defend that gold medal. So does that that defending of the gold medal, does that put more pressure on you guys? Do you, or do you think um, you're like, you know what, we did it, screw it, let's do it again? Yeah, I mean, that's how I am. I mean, let's do it again. There's, uh, you know, we're all human. We all put our pants on the same way. Why can't we beat them again? I love it. Now That's why I'm for it. Now, I will say, you guys did a fantastic job in, in uh, Argentina last year because it, that was like a level playing field for everybody. I don't think anybody expected that silt, the, the chuff or whatever they called it, something crazy uh, down there to be uh, what it was. What was it? I think they call it fesh fesh or fesh fesh, fesh or something. Yeah, something crazy yeah. like that. The Australians, when they say it, it sounds magical like because their accent with it, it's crazy. <laughs> um, I can only imagine an Australian woman saying that. That would probably be the pinnacle of a of a pickup line at a bar for me. I'd be like, yeah, fesh fesh, whatever. Say it again. But so this year, you guys are going to Slovakia. They are like yeah. Eastern Europe. Like I mean European, European, European riding. Um what what's the thought process? Is, is, are you guys gonna be doing training camps like you did last year? You know, I mean you're now you're their home turf, if you will, for a lot of the European teams that are just have been dominant in the past in the junior trophy team and the world trophy team. Right. Yeah, I think we uh, we do have a, um, a training camp plan, I think, in Ohio this year, coming up pretty soon. But as far as I'm concerned, um, I hear it's really, uh, really going to favor the East Coast GNCC sprint enduro guys. So um, the three guys on the team, I think his name's Lane. Lane, I don't remember his last name, but, I mean, I think he's been killing it this year in GNCC, plus the Baylor brothers are always fast in the woods. So if anything, uh, I might need to step my game up a little bit here in the trees and and uh, really put it down. But, I mean, I don't think we'll have an issue of, of being on turf or anything like that. I think we're ready to go. Yeah, I want to say it's Lane Michael, but um, now I'm even drawing a blank, which is just horrible. Um. Yeah, it was cool. We got a chance to talk with Grant and with uh, Stu about how excited they are to be back on the team, especially with yourself. Um, so it is going to be really neat to, to see you guys over there. We were really hoping to get a chance to head to Slovakia to check that out, but I'll be honest, that we we just know that one's not going to like come together. Nope. We've had a lot of crazy things at the last minute that we figured out, and it's just come together and it's happened. We've had some epic father and son trips. And we've got a couple more, but yeah, that one's probably not going to happen this nope. year. I just think Slovakia would be so epic, though. I mean, it's just, for some reason, when you think of Slovakia, you think of all the, the muddy ISDE footage that you've seen from yep. the past, and that this is going to be a man's ISDE where, you know, just, just making trail pace. Well, if they're going to Ohio, they're going to have some pretty move. muddy, rocky... That's a smart move. They ought to go to Arkansas if they weren't muddy, rocky, but with hills... But uh, Ohio is probably a pretty good place to practice for you. Yeah, I think Auntie knows what he's doing. I think yeah. last year was a good time to, to, to test the training camp and to see, and it was someplace everybody could get to fairly easily. They were right there at a Taylor Roberts place. It was easy for you guys to get to. And this year, it's like, okay, we want to win. We're going to go test in a place that we know is the right place to test. And that's, I, I think Ohio is a perfect pick for that. When, um, so do you know... Are you going to have a bike that's going to follow you out there, or are you going to get one from somebody on the East Coast uh, to set up? How is that going to work out for you? Um, actually, Honda um, is going to help me and Lane. I think I believe they're giving us bikes. Uh, we're building them, but I believe they're loaning us bikes to go over there. 
Um, so hopefully our setups are uh, pretty good. I'm not sure if they're helping us parts-wise, but they're definitely helping us with bikes for sure. Lane Michael. Yep, there we go. I was like, man, why am I not having troubles? Cause I kept spelling it wrong, L-A-Y-N-E. So, yes, Lane Michael's a really good uh, XC2 racer. He's actually second place right now in the GNCC points. He's done really well at the uh, the full gas sprint enduros, which they've been running a lot yep. on the East Coast. Yeah. It started last year. The series started up this year. So, yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. And everybody who ran that race had had a ton of fun. Are you going to be – well, no, the, Ida- the, the Idaho City qualifiers this weekend. So you said because of your health you're not going to be probably riding for a little bit or at least extensively. Right. Yeah, no, I'm uh, actually going to start pre-running for the Baja 500 this uh, this weekend. So, Man, one day I'm going to not be uh, an idiot. One day. I'm going to remember everything somebody tells me. So, yeah, that's possible to do. Yeah, you're like, whatever. Baja 500. Um, you've you've, you've yeah. raced with those guys before. You've done a phenomenal job. You guys got you know some pretty badass results. What have you learned and what are you looking forward to with this race maybe that you haven't looked forward to before while being in Baja? Um, well, um, I think we're going up in the Pine Forest this year. Um, just a little bit kind of coming out of Ensenada and then turning around and heading more north up towards the border again. So I don't think a lot of guys have done the Pine Forest. I think that'll be interesting. And, uh, man, just every Baja experience is fun. I mean, you've been down there. You know what it's what's up, what it's about. Oh. Baja's Baja's the ultimate adventure, so I mean yeah. anything's anything's possible. I think we got some good competition this year, and um, our Ox Motorsports team is going to be strong, and I'm I'm excited to get down there and put it down. Yeah, it was. And speaking of that, like we got to go to the Ox Memorial yes, down there did. when we did the Rip to Cabo this past year, and it's, it's just yeah. it's just crazy. Like it's one of those situations where, you know, I I knew of Ox way before you know he passed away. Then obviously you, you kind of learn a lot more about him when he did pass away, just because you're kind of everybody's got their stories are coming to the surface. You're doing a little bit more research, and again, like it's not until you see that memorial and then you're with Cameron and you're with guys that were there when he was, you know, hurt. He didn't pass away until later on, you know, when he was in the helicopter. But like you could just feel so much emotions from all of those people and just kind of the the memorial and stuff. So it's so neat. That those guys, you know, change the name of the team to the Ox Motorsports team to kind of commemorate even another another yeah. fashion of, of their their love for for Ox. So that's that's cool that you guys get to do that, not just as a team, but literally under the Ox Motorsports team. I think that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, Colton Udall, I think I think it was his best friend. Uh, I mean, he still rides his old two stroke that he had. So, um, yeah, I feel privileged to to ride under his name for sure. And I mean. A lot of legends have uh, unfortunately passed down there. So, I mean, it's, you know, they're never forgotten. Right on. Yeah, man. Well, cool. Well, good luck with that. I'm sorry that I'm such an idiot, but, hey, man, we make it work. You know, if nothing else, it gives us a chance to giggle a little at uh, my uh, my inaccuracies, ineptitude. Well, when you pre-run with a motorcycle, do you use a, a competition-ready bike? Like we were talking to Cameron about when they pre-run uh, – with the trucks, they they basically run a competition truck. Do you run your competition bike as you pre-run for the bike courses, or you're looking more at reliability rather than outright competition speed? Um, yeah, definitely the reliability part. But our race bikes are reliable anyhow. But uh, we try to mimic as much as we can as a race bike. That way, it's not a huge change when we actually get on it. But um, I mean, we're running a, a four-gallon tank for pre-running just because we don't have the resources for fuel and things like that. But 
Um, we're trying to mimic the race bike. I think that's uh, the best best case scenario is to is to practice on what you can race. So it's Definitely. the same for the cars and the bikes then. Okay. Yep. That's yep. why we yep. saw so many competition vehicles down there pre-running um, when we were there. Oh, okay. Yep. For yep. the Baja Sur. Yep. They were. Oh right. Yeah. When we were coming into Cabo, there was a lot of. We had to be very cautious on that last day. Uh, yeah, because of the fact that a lot of guys were out there pre-running. Um, and, and we kind of took a little bit of the last course. Actually, it was on the way into La Paz, so it was our second yeah. to last day. Um, and we got to do the step. Is it steps? Steps or stairs of La Paz? Steps? Steps. I don't know. I'm not sure. Steps. It was awesome. They're intense. Watching you guys come down there, that was, that was incredible. It was epic. Yeah, it was one of those things. Like, I had the bike we had. Oh, I still don't even want to talk about that 450. My, if I would have been on, like, my 350 or my 300, holy hell. It would have been so epic because you just come and, like, launch off of these things. Like, they were... Three, four at the tallest, maybe three, four foot rock drops, and uh, you know they just were literally like steps just down. So you just kind of could. It was kind of like going down <laughs> into the Telluride. Yeah, on Black Bear Except Pass. That was way steeper and way more butt pucker factor. Yeah, to hell you ride those guys, those bastards. Well, cool man. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show. Sorry that we, we had a little bit of trouble getting you hooked up, but we figured it out and we had fun with it. Um, any any last words of advice or wisdom to share with us and the fans? Um, I don't know, not really. Just uh, anything you race, race it hard, race to the finish. Right, keep her pinned, bro, and don't drink yeah. the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't, don't drink the water, bottled water. And I found out another thing: don't buy anything from those people at the border oh, no. that are selling food because they make it with the water. <laughs> yeah, and that's how I got sick. Yeah, don't, don't make don't make. Don't make eye contact with those people. Just... <laughs> That's the easier solution. Don't don't don't. Yeah. It's not don't buy anything. Don't look at them. Yeah. No, I'm serious. You you make eye contact, and then like they swear they telepathically tell everybody, and then like they swarm your truck, and it just gets gnarly. <laughs> don't have don't have Red Bull in the back either, because they'll point at it and they'll just look at you and they'll keep. Yeah. You'll never never get to leave. Well, ever. I could tell you some stories about the army guys too, but I won't. Yeah, well, this is that's our Thursday night show. Yeah. I'm just kidding. We don't need that there. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Jones, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, good luck uh, with what's coming up with your Bahaness. Good luck with your rehabbing of your bleeding ulcer. We want you to get better from that. And, of course, please keep us up to date on uh, what's happening with the ISDE training. We would love to kind of uh, be, be kept aware of, of what's happening with you guys in the team. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys, and uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Oh, you know we will, because I mean, let's be <laughs> honest. You're way better looking than I am, so the better the better looking faces we can get on here, the better off we do. What are you doing? Uh, I, might, I might shave some chops on, like like you got. Pretty, I kind of like. That. They're not too shabby. What's weird is I had actually like used a razor to shave this face for a wedding this past weekend. That's why I've got <laughs> such a little amount of stubble. I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm growing up here. I'm almost 36 years old. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens Almost. thanks dude you have fun out there we appreciate your yeah. time see you man <laughs> later awesome well yeah man I, I think being able to ride uh, an outdoor motocross race or being able to qualify for that mm. is phenomenal because what, what we used to do is you had to qualify there were only 40 people that were allowed to go to the race you had to on paper prove to the AMA that you were the top 40 pro people level that, card pro you? level card that They'd only let 40 people ride because we had three classes. We had the 125, 250, and open nationals all on the same day. 
So, and it was like two, three motos. So they don't have time to have qualifiers in the morning. So all of the qualification had to be through the AMA office in advance. They'd take 60, 80 people who'd register. They'd look at the results you'd had locally and regionally. And then they'd only pick the top 40 that would be allowed to race. So there was no qualifying. If if you made the event, you made the you made the line. Forty people showed up. So, but now it's different. Is the do you think it changed to make the day longer for spectators to make it like better racing and more for spectators to come out and watch, or if it was maybe more of one of those, you know, office things where having all these people look through all these results and resumes to find these people just became tiresome and cumbersome. No, we and had, like, let's just make them race for it. We had three motos per class. Back then. Hmm. And I think if memory serves, and it often doesn't these days, I think they were 45. 45 minutes plus two. Woo. And there were three of them. That's that's how European motocross started. There was oh. three motos. There weren't two. That, that's the lazy American way. Oh. Uh, and then Supercross is, of course, comes after Grand National with just one big race. But, I mean, if you've got six 45 minutes plus motos professional motos you don't have time to qualify that's a crap ton and then we started early in the morning with practice and we didn't get practice on thursday and friday we just practiced that morning and then raced yeah yeah that's nuts um you you mentioned the the sissy american way of then the grand national with uh, the supercross there's actually been talk and not from what i understand with any maybe anybody within pro motocross or mx sports but there was a lot of talk, like Jimmy Lewis posted um, a blog on his website, his dirt bike riding test website, about kind of changing up the format now that it's it's such a big deal on TV. But the problem is is that if somebody were to turn it on, they're like, oh, motocross, cool, let's watch this. And they turn it on, and then they start talking about this race that already happened and how there's going to be right. this other race that's happening, how confused they might be. Exactly, especially since it's on different networks. It, you know, When you go to the major networks that are covering – the uh, GPs, are uh, the uh, Nationals, they start with the second moto, and they just give you highlights. If you want to watch the first moto, that was a different network at a different time, and sometimes it's carried, sometimes it isn't. Yeah, and so it, it, little things like that, that's obviously one of them, and he's got a bunch more that he was talking about on his website, is that we need to make some severe changes to the format and a big part of that is because there's such an opportunity now with the TV coverage packages that we're getting for the sport to grow. Um, and so at the national level, literally the pro national level, where it is a, a one race winner take all kind of thing, and there's there's not two races with the points and the right. I got a six and a two, but I really got third right. kind of a situation. Like, it, and I, I agree with that. The actually. Supercross format is better for TV. Yeah. But it's like there's no reason for for amateurs and for local racing and all that other stuff to 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 keep up, you know, to keep the the, the format that we've been using for so long, if you will, um, because it's a it's it's a fun format, it's a way to do it. But and then it's neat because he's got other ideas where we could take it, you know, do um, like a 125 kind of intermediate class, um, and then they you know give give younger kids a chance to come in, but then not have to be on a 250 where these teams have these souped up high pressure situation motorcycles where these you know 16 and 20 year old kids need to feel like they have to perform and have to ride you know so stinking fast on these bikes that can do so many you know well, pull so many horsepowers maturity wise ama racing in this country for supercross is where formula one was back in the 60s the promoters run the show 
They make the tracks. Kids get hurt, there's more kids coming right behind them. Just like it was when we, you know, you heard Jackie Stewart talk about right. that when we yep. went to the yeah, GP. Um, if, if you didn't want to get in the car when the track wasn't safe, there'd be five guys waiting to jump in the car, put their helmet on, and go race. The same is true in motocross today. The tracks are not safe. How many kids, how many experts have to get hurt and get knocked out and make competition uncompetitive before the promoters realize that the fans like passing? They like competition. When do the fans shout the most? When there's good head-to-head competition. A passes B. B passes A back. I mean, that's what the fans want to see. They don't want to see kids getting hurt. Yeah. You know, and, and I just watched the show that's called One, and it was the history of Formula One through the 60s, 70s, until they, they finally got it right that it's okay to crash, but it's not okay to kill somebody. Yeah. It's okay to crash, but it's not okay to take a Trey Kennard out of the program or to take a Justin Barsha out of the program and leave Ryan Dungey to win. Or, you know, t- take Roxon out of the program. You know, the tracks have to be changed. And until somebody gets it in their head, like Formula One did, and it took Jackie Stewart, and it took Emerson Fittipaldi to grab them by the horns and just say, I'm not going to race. Until motocross does that, you're going to have these kids getting hurt. And then, but there's five kids, five, five guys coming up for every guy who says, I'm not going to get on the bike because that tracks that we saw here in Dallas is too dangerous. Okay, well, there's five guys standing in line. Next. Yeah. Well, they've talked about that, like, you know, on the Pulp of Mixture, they talk a lot about, like, a rider's union. Like, is that ever going to work? And so the reason why they kind of say it's not going to – it wouldn't or couldn't work very well is because of the fact that you've got such a a class system already built up where you've got these five to ten guys that could afford to not race. Like, they can afford to not do that. But then the five – you know, the ten – 15, 20 other privateers that would maybe be part of this union and would be like, fine, we're not going to race with you guys, they would have, they would easily have 20 other privateers step up and try to race. Exactly. So, Exactly. And uh, they'll fill out the field. They'll yeah. get, their, four, they'll get their, their 20 riders, 22 riders now. They'll get their 22 riders at the starting gate. They may not be the best 22 riders, but they'll get 22 riders to show up and put on a show and, you know, it'll be a orthopedic surgeon's dream come true right yeah for sure it's obviously an interesting conversation this is you know like we say we we don't like delve into this every day this obviously isn't our day job but it's it's interesting you know he's got so much experience there um and and i find it interesting because it's a sport that i love and i kind of want to see how it continues to grow and evolve and i'm not opposed to change i like this idea of change and how it can better our sport um so that's one of the reasons why I kind of talk about it a lot. Yeah. And Glen Helen was an excellent example. That was an awesome track. You know, that it oh, was dude. rough. Holy it crap. Was rough. It was rough. It was, it was tough. I mean, the, just the hill climb up to, uh, what they call it? Um, Mount St. Helen. Mount St. Helen. That was amazing in itself. But kids were not getting hurt. There were people crashing, but they'd get back up on the bike and drive off for the most part because it was a safe track. European, same way. The GPs are like that, you know, except for the American over there who falls off the back of his Kawasaki. <laughs> he wheelies um, himself onto his. Cl- uh, which we saw him do, products. which we saw him do a dozen times here in, in in the states. But 
you don't see the people get knocked out of the competition from unsafe tracks in Europe. I'm sorry. I'm going to shut up because I really feel passionate about this. It's the promoters. I think, I think we need to it get you in touch the, with uh, It can't be the riders. With, it's going to be Kevin. the promoters. I think you need to get in touch with Kevin and uh, and get that going because that sounds like the exact same conversation that he's been having with all the guys at Pulp yeah. Next. Um so as we kind of uh, uh, bumble our way a little bit into the show this evening, we finally got Rob, Mr. Robbie Bell on. And sorry for all the technical difficulties that we had for everybody, uh, but thank you for staying with us. Thank you for the good times. Mr. Robbie Bell, how's your evening going, kind sir? Good. Just chilling in my uh, kitchen slash living room, ready to get on the show. Happy to be on it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, man. We really appreciate it. Sorry that it's been so tough. For some strange reason, we've had all kinds of Skype issues tonight. We don't know what's going on, so apologies for that. But, man... Congrats on getting the the win this past weekend at Works, and it wasn't just like a yay I got a win. It was like man, it sounds like you got you really had to fight for that win with Mister Sutherland. That's kind of how it's been all year. Awesome. Uh, I've been I've been the king of crashing, and uh, lately I've just been on a roll of of rolling off my dirt bike. But luckily this weekend I was able to pick it back up and and catch back up to those guys and get the win. Uh, I I gotta ask for somebody who does crash a lot. Unfortunately, it's myself definitely. Um, well, what do you do? You mentally tell yourself anything when you go crap? I got to get back up and catch this guy, or is it just kind of you're just in such a, a zen state of of badassery that it doesn't even really you know cross your mind that you've got to to get back in the game mentally? I think first there are a few words that I probably shouldn't say, and then uh, and then it goes into oh shoot, is my bike ruined? And then once the bike is okay, then a few more bad words come out, and then it's just I don't know. Like this weekend, I, I got pretty angry and um, kind of rode like an idiot for a couple laps because I was just full of, um, yeah, just riding in anger. And it actually actually kind of went backwards as far as my speed. But then once I kind of refocused and, um, you know, started to translate that anger into just, you know, speed on the course and finding the flow of the course again, then it's it can actually be beneficial um, as far as kind of narrowing your focus and, and focusing forward as far as having that goal of catching back up. Yeah, awesome. And, and it did get a chance, if anybody hasn't seen, uh, so Robbie Bell puts out, awesome helmet cam footage from all of the events that he's got out there um and he's definitely he's got the one up from this past weekend where he does have the little wreck but then of course then he gets a good battle going with gary and gets the win there at the finish so that's a cool video if you guys haven't had a chance to check it out is it and i noticed too it seems like you i don't like do you just have a an issue with your front tire washing out all of a sudden or is it just a happenstance that you just like love to kiss the ground face first I, pretty much every one of my crashes this year has uh, been caused by rocks. So apparently my front end doesn't like to track when I don't see a rock hidden in the ground, um, <laughs> which I think a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. Oh yeah. But this absolutely. last one, the, this last crash, it was, um, it was on my own fault. I just, I was tired of getting roosted. It was kind of muddy. And so I was just tired of getting roosted and I got a little impatient and there wasn't enough room for two bikes. And Gary had just a wheel length on me and I tried to force the issue anyway. And, what, what's silly is looking back in my line, there was just a handful of softball sized rocks and a tree. Like a tree was 20 feet in front of me. I don't know how I was going to push through the tree, but I was just not backing off the throttle. So actually, I think I'm lucky that the rocks washed my front end out because otherwise I think I just would have plowed into the tree, just not thinking because I was just that, I don't know. I, I just was in that frame of mind. I just wanted to pass that bad. Right. And this was, uh, was this in Utah this past week? Yeah, Cedar this- City? It's a Cedar City, Utah. Okay, yeah. for those guys thinking works, oh my gosh, where's a tree at in California? See, they were in Utah. There aren't trees in There's California. Plenty of those trees are bushes. In Utah. <laughs> yeah, no, but in Utah, you guys can find all kinds of trees to get into trouble with. That is 
for sure. I, I wanted to talk to you. We we've just had uh, Justin Jones on, and he's obviously been doing really well in the work series this year. But since since you just got the win, I wanted to see kind of get your opinion on how the tracks have been this year with works, and then you know some some of the changes that they've made kind of going into the year. I know that uh, we had Sean on at the very very front part of the year, and they kind of partnered up with Max uh, Racing, trying to kind of help them a little bit on the East Coast to grow and also to, to kind of bring the works name over to the East Coast a little bit. So I didn't know if, if you noticed good, bad, or indifferent, you know, maybe some difference in the tracks this year with layout, maybe format changes, um, or just organizational differences that have been, uh, like I said, good, bad, or indifferent for the series this year. Uh, I mean, the works has always run like a well-oiled machine as far as, you know, going off like clockwork. Um, there hasn't been a huge change in the program as far as the, uh, uh, the schedule of races. I'd say, I mean, over the past few years, there's been a change in the track layouts just because now they have the super event, which is great because it, it you know, involves all three disciplines as far as dirt bikes, ATVs, and the, the UTVs, the side-by-sides, which is going you know, gangbusters right now for some reason. I don't know how people can afford that. but Nope, me neither. Um, but yeah, so the courses are a little more, um, a little, a little wider, so not quite as much single track in certain areas, but I know Washington were going up and, and Sean already warned us that he's, he's going to have a lot of motocross only or motorcycle only sections with a lot of single tracks. So that'll be good, but I don't know if that bodes well for me because anybody familiar with my GoPro video from last year knows I, uh, I have an issue with trees jumping out in front of my line. <laughs> Case in point with the story you were just telling us. Um. Yes. Yeah. Trees, rocks. I just <laughs> apparently have an issue with just uh, I don't know different terrain jumping up and biting me. It's those baby head rocks. Oh, I mean they're yeah. just the absolute wrong size. You hit one of those jokers; they're almost round. I don't care how soft your suspension is, the rock's going to move and your bike's going to move, and you're on the ground. Well, that's what happened to me at uh, at Sand Hollow, the last works race. I was chasing Gary on the last lap literally just a few feet behind them. We were having a great battle. He was fist pumping me. I was smiling under my helmet. And uh, we were on a fifth gear straight, probably going 50 or 60. And I just jumped out behind from behind him just to his left a little bit so I could see ahead of him. And then there were just two two uh, shale ledges buried in the deep sand. And it literally, the crash happened so fast that my bars just head shaked one way, the other way. My hand you know, lost the grip and I was on the ground before I even knew what happened. So I mean, that's how most of the crashes are. When you don't see it, it happens so fast, you can't even react to it. Yeah, and, and strangely enough, I've always found, you know, I wouldn't say that I go 50 or 60, you know, fifth gear straight all that often, but when I do have the fast crashes where I, like, get on the ground before I, or I'm getting up from the ground before I realize I'm on the ground, those are the ones where, luckily, you don't seem to get hurt as much. Like, you just react, and you tuck, and you roll, and you bounce right mm-hmm. up, which is exactly what you did. You, that video footage of you, I don't know who captured that, but that was epic. But it looked like you were quite a ragdoll. Um, but luckily you're okay. You kept up and kept going. Did you have any kind of uh, any lingering? I mean, obviously you just won this past weekend, so if it was, it kind of went away pretty quick. But Yeah, like you said, I can't believe um, Justin London got the, the footage. from. He was, he was heading back to the finish line, actually, to catch us, like catch the, the last bit of the battle towards the end of the final lap. And he just happened to stop on that hill and catch the footage. So I still can't believe he caught that crash. But it it uh, tweaked my shoulder a little bit and hurt my ankles a little bit. But like you said, it didn't linger too bad. My shoulder still is a little sore. But uh, like you said, it's the fast crashes where you can kind of tuck and roll. You're not thinking about how you're going to land. It's just instinct. It's the slow ones that usually get you. 
um, where, you know, you put out an arm or you put out a leg and you tweak something weird. So luckily for me, like the, the one in Sand Hollow, it was all sand, really, really soft sand. So it's basically like doing a somersault and beach sand, which wasn't too bad. And <laughs> this last one, this last one, at least it wasn't a rock garden. So um, I didn't land on any rocks. I got a little bit of a swell though, but other than that, I was good. Oh yeah, those, you can live with those. We all we have all we've all been there. If you've been to a BMX park too many times, you've fallen. Just crank that guy. Um, so we've got the points lead in the work series yeah. right now, and you've got a healthy points lead. Um, you know, it, it looked like Gary Sutherland was going to try to to try to you know defend his title. He got a little bit hurt, um, but then now you've gotten a chance to come out there, get a lot of wins, have a lot of fun racing your dirt bike, and I, I mean, what you've probably got. 50 points, I think, on the on the closest closest competitor. You're like in the 140s, and they're in the 90s. So with three races left, kind of a big points lead. You know, what what are you going to be doing um, to kind of make sure that going into those three races that you're going to be healthy and ready to kind of you know take it on in? I'm not going to make any changes or you know focus on I don't know put any more importance on the points lead or or anything like that. It's just kind of maintaining the rhythm. I think as soon as you start overthinking things, you can either start overtraining or just, you know, you lose a little mental edge. So it's more about just uh, staying in the routine that I've had going, um, you know, continuing the training, trying to get my body back to, a, you know, 100% as quickly as possible, which won't take too long. And then, I mean, we have a two-month break, so really I'm probably just going to be doing some local motocross races, staying sharp and, uh, you know, just having fun. Um, probably do some, you know, hang out with some friends and family and just kick back and enjoy a little bit of time off. Uh, it's been a pretty hectic schedule, so it's kind of nice when you get little breaks like this. Right on. Before we talk about one of those little trips that you're going to take, we did we did want to kind of uh, go into a little bit, see if we could find the new fangle dangle health thing that you've come <laughs> across. Because we, we we had a great discussion. I, I mean, every discussion we have with you is amazing. But what really we always come up with one health thing that you have just zoned in on that just blows my mind. Especially, I think last time it was the the toothpaste from Lava Rocks. Maybe? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I want to know if you're maybe a still doing that or b if not why and then is there a new thing that you've found that we should know about? Yeah, I still do the um, I guess you consider it like volcanic ash um, toothpaste, but um, that's I don't know that's kind of silly. But uh, I mean, my, my three big things that as far as diet that I feel have helped me are um, one just healing my gut, which I've done through like a lot of fermented foods. I'm into fermenting and culturing my own vegetables now. Um, two, I do homemade broths a lot, like chicken broth and beef broth, which it, it sounds, you know, it sounds like something your grandma would make in the kitchen. But honestly, as far as an athlete and, um, you know, always looking for nutritional edge, homemade beef broth with, you know, good quality bones from a healthy animal is probably one of the healthiest, um, you know, healthiest things you could do for your diet. And then also, um, I've been eating a lot more liver too. And same thing from a healthy animal. Liver is like a superfood. You know, to heck with, uh, instead of doing like a whey protein shake, um, just have a little, you know, a couple ounces of liver uh, a week and you're going to get way more nutrition and way more benefits for your body. And I mean, I guess you could say I'm living proof proof because over the last couple of years, as I've kind of, you know, gone from the gluten free to the paleo and then on to this, you know, more of a traditional foods style, my, um, you know, my performance has improved, my health has improved and I mean, I can. I guess you can attest too from the uh, the crashes and the abuse my body has taken, and it really hasn't taken that big of a toll on my body physically either. So, it's. I mean, I believe in it full heartedly. So, you know, you can take it or leave it. I suppose. No, I, I like it because whenever we talk to you about it, it's not 
You're not the person that read two blog posts and then like you're like a believer. You're the person that read at least – you probably could just go write one of the books. Uh, that's what I like is that you do all the research. You read everything. And so you're making a very, very educated decision on why you're going to make these health changes opposed to someone that's like looking for the next fad like you know weight loss diet which is i think is is you know totally different from this so the liver thing is interesting i've seen a lot about that lately and the only reason i've even been paying attention to it is because uh, some friends of mine that started the epic bar company down out of austin they just I love those by the way yeah i do too they just released a liver bar and that's when i was like what like what like we used to eat pemmican bars oh, 20 25 years ago and that was disgusting. That was just like it's, it's just horrible. And that, but so like now it's like maybe this kind of crap is coming back around somehow. Like, so I'm that's it's insane. Like a liver. Like, but well, that's what, where all the stuff. The is, diet right? he's talking about. You sure you didn't live with my Polish grandmother? Well, that, that's she the was thing. born in Poland, and that's how she cooked. She homemade. Yeah. I mean, I remember that woman stewing up beef bones. Um, she, she couldn't get me to eat the livers, but she always had them. Everything was handmade, hand stewed. I mean, that was my Polish grandmother in Chicago. Exactly what you just described. And that's where I think that's kind of where we're heading. Like you said, it's coming full circle because, um, you know, we've been through a period in the last few decades where everything's become more scientific and it's almost like everything has to be broken down to the individual, individual, um, you know, vitamin or mineral or protein that's going to give you that boost and kind of, getting away from the the older knowledge of basically how everything works together you know the entire diet works together um you know it's not it's not about isolating the the protein it's about eating the entire whole food which gives you all of the beneficial cofactors which helps you utilize the protein or the vitamins or the minerals better and it you know improves your overall health and it's it's more of a you know a holistic kind of broad view of the nutrition instead of just isolating and breaking everything down which modern science has done so it is kind of getting back to more of the traditional you know traditional diets of 100 200 even you know further than that 500 a thousand years ago um you know they might not have been able to break down the science and know exactly how beneficial it was you know in terms of like oh well i'm getting this much protein or these this many nutrients like we can now but now i think we're in a, a beautiful time where we can actually reap the benefits and understand the benefits, you know, because we can break it down. Science has done that for us. And, um, you know, if we learn that ancient knowledge once again, we can put it all together and really benefit from it. Yeah. Ah, see, that's what I'm talking about. Like, it's just yeah. when it, it, it's one of those situations where I can listen and I'm like, even if I were to go, ah, you know, okay, Robbie Bell's saying it. I don't believe it. That's fine. But like, he doesn't sound like somebody that just like read a blog post and just like said a bunch of words that you know it's like i that's why I love listening to to talk to you about the different kind of health things that come up because like I just love hearing how much research you've done and gone into it. I think my wife's gonna lose herself when I tell her about the homemade broth thing though because that's a big thing my wife has has really gone in a lot of strides to help you know we've in Robbie and i you, we've talked about this with my son and him be and him having to be gluten free for so long and how the family had to go gluten free because of that. Um, and so that kind of got her on a big homeopathic, uh, you know, arc, which is great. You know, it's it's definitely helped us and the family. And I think though the beef broth thing is one of those deals because we've always tried to figure out a way to be more organic in what we eat. But now we're realizing that it's not just about organic; it's really about the whole like it, these things need to be grown and raised the way that they're supposed to to live a life, not. 
like, oh, we need to make sure they have X amount of sunlight and that their water's filtered. It's like these animals need to live the way that they were meant to live, not in these shacks that we put them in and all that kind of stuff. So I think the beef broth thing from, you know, pure grass-fed cows that just get to graze um, and all that kinds of stuff could be. But I think I think one of the biggest things, too, in my journey, what it what it's really all centered around, because I've been and don't get me wrong, I've been that fad guy who reads something, but I, at least I've gone head first, tried it and made my own opinion. But through this journey that I've been on with my diet and lifestyle, it's all centered around healing my gut because um, your gut is the center for basically everything as far as it digests your food. It- <laughs> Not the beer gut. <laughs> no, it digests your food, it helps you absorb the, the nutrients which you need to live and perform every function, you know, from day to day life to strenuous exercise. And um and so everything I've everything I've done and learned has gotten me to this point where I, I center a lot of stuff around healing my gut and it it's um and looking for foods and ways to process and, and prepare foods that makes them easier to digest. And that's the idea with the fermentation um and culturing vegetables. And then also the homemade broths are very, very healing for your gut as well. Um, and then same with like liver and superfoods, you know, obviously they give you a lot of nutrients, which are going to help your gut as well. And I'd be interested too, um, if you, you know, as, as you've gone through this gluten-free journey too, trying some fermented, uh, foods that have gluten, like, like traditional sourdough bread, um, and seeing if you have the same reaction. Because I've noticed, actually, for me, the more fermented foods I have and the healthier my gut gets, I can actually have a little bit a little bit of gluten here and there and not have the same reaction I used to as far as the inflammation and the swelling and, you know, my face breaking out in acne and uh, and feeling arthritic and wore down. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting how the more I learn about this, how, you know, how big of a difference the way you prepare your food and what kind of food you eat can make on your body. Ugh. So smart. I'm going to listen to this episode like three times just to try to learn all those big words. Well, how do you prepare, how do you eat a couple of days before a really intense event? You know, the old days it was like carb up, go out and eat all the pasta and spaghetti and blah, 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 which is probably about the worst thing you can do. But how do you prepare to have the energy reserves for an intense weekend? What's interesting through this journey too is it's actually – it's taken a lot of the stress and the pressure off of looking at the weekend and going, okay, I need to, I need to peak for this weekend. So everything I eat needs to ramp up. Like you said, carb loading or something for a certain weekend. I'd actually don't really change the way I eat much. Um, because it's, if you're eating the right things and, you know, preparing your body well, just on a day to day basis, your body is already performing at a peak that you're at a level that is well above, you know, if, if you're on more of a standard American diet and then all of a sudden ramp up for a weekend. So, you know, with, I feel like my body's operating at a higher potential just every day. Um, so for me, honestly, it's more about just eating as well as I can with minimal preparation because, you know, normally it can take, you know, an hour, hour and a half of preparation sometimes, um, to make dinner, you know, from, from the time you start to the time you're actually eating. And so on a, you know, weekend or leading up to a race, as I have a lot of things I'm getting ready prepping for the weekend or when I'm at the race, you know, I'm practicing and walking the track and things like that. I don't have as much as, as much time to prepare the food. So I look for things that are, you know, I can just throw in the crock pot. Um, like, like for example, this last weekend, I just made a couple of crock pot dinners and then had some fermented vegetables on the side and, you know, some steamed broccoli. And it was, you know, pretty, pretty simple, but still good quality nutrition. 
I am I am taking notes because I'm going to go research this. It just boggles my mind, and I want to learn more about it. The cultivating the fermenting food thing, I'm just kind of like, one, I have an, uh, an idea of what I think that means, and then Yeast. I'm pretty sure that like I'm going to figure out that it means something completely different, but that's okay because that's why I'm doing the research is definitely that to, was beer, you know. to learn and, and educate more stuff about it. They ferment beer. I like this. I like this. I, I'm not putting words in your mouth. He, he he may not drink beer, even if he does. That's okay. So, but I, I'm not not on the beer, but um, the hard cider. I'm all about the hard cider. I'm actually probably in the next couple of weeks going to start making my own hard cider and see how that works out. Sweet. Well, yeah. I mean, if you Put need it on testers, your send it to us. <laughs> Will do. Because I mean, I, I've read anyway. The hard cider was the original beer, and I can't remember who it was, but one of the first presidents had like two glasses of hard cider every morning, and he lived to be ninety something. So that's enough. Effort. That's enough of a. An A-OK for me. I'm going to jump right into that. <laughs> I guess as long as it's not the morning of a race. After, yeah. After, I want you to be alive for a long time, Mr. Robbie Bill. All right? You you have enough trouble with the baby head rocks and trees. We don't need you having two glasses of cider the day of a race. <laughs> I don't know. The cider might the cider might help me uh, narrow my focus to avoid those rocks and trees. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Or just like that last little that last little front break that you might do. You don't do that. You just glide on over them. Yeah, exactly. And avoid all the trees. So we were talking about the fact, or you mentioned that you were probably going to be doing a couple different trips and things like that. So I, I, and I love how we always talk about this as well. And so you're going to be going to Disney World again this summer with your wife and some friends to go do a food and wine festival down there. Um, especially so they're going to go like so Epcot, as we know, yeah. has all the yeah. food and all the all the different drinks and stuff from around the world. Well, this is I think you said it's like two or three times that. Yeah. So it's just like. It, Huge so, amounts of food and beer and drinks and such. Well, none of it will be kosher with your diet, and it's all going to be like fried and. Yeah, but it's it's, it's European stirred. or Mexican food. You know, you gotta you gotta Mexican food. <laughs> you gotta live a little Mexican food. <laughs> well, that's, that's about the last from, thing from you now, got. From now until the time I get there, I'm going to be focusing on being as healthy and as clean as I can be, so I can just ruin all of that for that okay. week that we're there. I like it. Moderation in all things, including moderation. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's cool, though. So you guys are, were big uh, Disneyland fans, and you've been to Disney World now, I think, once, and this will be your second trip over there. Uh, so you, I, I'd imagine that you guys are excited. Oh, incredibly. Yeah, last year we had such a blast. Um, we visited each park and went to Universal Studios for the Harry Potter land because uh, Katie is a huge Harry Potter nerd, which I can see you are, too. <laughs> Brian's sister's there yeah, right my now. My sister and her husband are there right now, and we were supposed to be there the end of this week. But yeah, just as I was saying, like all kinds of stuff come up, and we just couldn't make it work. But I really, yeah, oh, it's because their new Harry Potter land opened last year. Did you get to go to that one? Like, was it both parks, both Harry? Yeah, yeah, we got to hop on the Hogwarts Express, went to both parks. It was, oh, it was amazing. So jealous right now, man. It used to be Dueling Dragons. Remember I know. That? Yeah, we wrote it. Yeah, because we wrote it when they were building. It was 06, 07 when they rode, the, uh, or they were creating the first Terryland Park, so we rode what is now the, whichever the dragon Harry Potter. But it was the kind of. roller coaster where they come together and it looks like you're going to intersect each other. Yeah, you're either the red or the blue dragon, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Or something like that. It used that. to be yeah, called that, Dueling that thing Dragons. That a little scary because it's so fast. We actually, come on, Robbie oh, Bell, you've crashed faster than that. <laughs> what's, what's crazy, though, is we got on that new Gringotts ride which had been like three or four hour wait times, we walked on it twice. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe our luck. Nice. Well, you got to get yeah. that fast path. There's a fast pass or something you buy. Um, yeah, we did there's that. There's two yeah, different Universal. lines at Universal for everything. 
there's mm-hmm. the line for the for everybody, and then if you pay the extra twenty five, fifty bucks, whatever it is, you've got another line you get into that goes faster. Yeah, we did we did that for most of the stuff, but the Harry Potter stuff was so new, you just had to take your chances and yeah. wait in the line. Uh-huh. So we just lucked out. Yep. Um, and I read somewhere too that in the I think in the castle, so in in uh, Hogwarts, uh, in the castle, you can ask somebody for a tour or something. There's like some special keyword you're supposed to say and if you ask somebody the right keyword then they like open up some weird door and they like take you through a tour throughout the whole castle oh we're gonna have to look into that get that this year i think google it or something because i I remember reading about that on when we were looking around at going this year i was doing all kinds of googling and researching to make sure that facebook had all my cookies for the fact that all i needed was hogwarts and harry potter and and ads for disney world And and i still get them and i'm not going it's so disappointing, but you're going to get to go, and I'm going to be able to follow your Instagram feed like a child is looking for food. Uh, it's going to be awesome Livers. to do that. Yeah, yeah I think we're making, we're making some special shirts. We're going to see if we can make it around uh, the entire Food and Wine Festival. I think it's something like 28 or 29 different countries, so we're going to have to have like a plan of attack to oh, survive the whole thing. You don't go to Disney World with a plan. Really? You're just with a credit card. Our family has gone to Disney World every single time with the biggest plan. That blows apart within the first day. <laughs> I, think, I think, yeah, no, I think you're going to have a great time. With yeah. all those different countries, you're going to be able to try all that crazy food. You're going to be able to try all kinds of crazy drinks. And you may make it in one day, and if you don't, there's always the next day. Very true. So that's the way it works. Well, cool, man. Well, obviously, you've got your summer planned. You're going to have fun doing that. Some local motocross races. Going to Disney World. Very jealous. Getting to see some Universal Studios and Harry Potter. Um, good job this year, dude. You've been kicking oh, butt. Excellent. I know it was a little, a little, a little, like when Gary came back, he was like ready to defend that title, and you guys were battling and having some fun. But obviously, you know, you've, you've, you've cleaned it up. You've had a lot more fun. You keep getting the wins, and you're on the way now to get another, another works championship. So good job, dude. Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun, and like you said, Gary. I mean, it's so unfortunate he got injured because he, you know, he's such a tough competitor, and it would have been a great battle, as you know, with us going back and forth if he had made those two rounds. But um, I always just have such a great time battling with him because I know I know he's going to be strong all the way to the finish, so that just keeps me on my toes and keeps me pushing hard the whole race. Yeah, I think uh, no. My dad's here. I can't say that. It's another one of those little like uh, innuendos that popped up, and I was like, eh, I'm actually gonna not do that. I'm not going there. It could get weird. Well, dude, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Please, please update your Instagram feed as much as possible when you do go to Disney World. I'm gonna be. Uh, I will stalk that just because I want to make sure I feel like I'm like your fifth wheel. So I'll have all the I'll have all the GoPro accessories. I'll have the chesty. I'll probably have the little minor GoPro on my head. <laughs> I think we even just got a selfie stick, so don't worry. We will have plenty of coverage for you. I love it. Cool, man. Well, again, great job this year. We really appreciate you coming on the show, and you guys just uh, keep having fun. I appreciate it. Thank go you. fast. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll know he's going to go fast. We know that. <laughs> Later, dude. All right, see ya. Take care. Awesome. You see what I mean, though? Like, that's what I love. It's like, he's got, and he even said it. Like, there are times where he kind of jumps out and it definitely kind of comes across that he might be jumping on a fad. But then what I like is that he keeps doing the research, keeps trying it, and then he kind of like, okay, fine tunes it for himself, which is really what you have to do because, you know, we keep thinking that, you know, what you're going to need to eat and do is what I'm going to need to eat and do. And we're just such different people that it would never work out that way. Now, obviously, we're not talking about the age difference. If it was just. Well, and, and in my case, I know exactly what the problem is. You know, when I had the surgeries and I had to tame back my activity, the activity I did not tame back was 
pulling myself up to the table. The consuming one? Yeah. The consumption? You know, and you see it happen to football players all the time. They quit playing football, and within two years, they've gained 50 pounds. You know, the activity drops. The intake has to drop. Right. And that's the mistake I made after all the knee surgeries is I continued at my same level of consumption. Well, looks like we've all learned something here tonight, folks. But I want to know how he makes livers taste good. Or does he just... Maybe we're going to have to buy the Epic Bar, the liver, the, the, the Epic Bar that... You know, hold his nose the and liver eat the liver. The liver bar livers. that Epic makes. I think we're yeah. going to have to buy that and just, to, yeah, just to man up, try it, and just see what happens. When my grandmother would cook those livers, I wouldn't even go in the kitchen. They didn't even smell fun. I, I got I to imagine that, it's, that it can't taste horrible, but it... The dogs love it. Yeah. Well, I'm not about to buy one of those liver bars and give it to the dog because they're not cheap. Oh. So... We'll see. Yeah, we will. But the awesome. iron, the iron and the nutrients. Oh, yeah. And, oh, my gosh. That's what he's saying. So, seat time. Obviously, what we want you guys to do is check out adventures.seatime.co and go learn about what we're going to be doing this year in Crested Butte, Colorado, having a good time, three days of riding, four days of hanging out, and we will have a big, uh, big celebration at the end, if you will, in a pint full of awesome style. I will be brewing beer specifically for this trip, and there will have gluten for all you people that are freaked out. Yes, it will be consumable by all the norms, uh, specifically Stephen, who would slap me if I were to try to do anything gluten-free. Uh, so that'll be a good time. We hope you guys go and at least check that out. Sign up for the newsletter so you can be aware as things go on. Of course, you can find us on the website, which is seattime.co. You can find us on Stitcher and iTunes. If you'd like to get the audio-only version, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. We are on all the social channels. We're on the Facebooks. We're on the Twitters. We're on the Instagrams. Um, easy enough there. We're on Snapchat, but, you know, I mean, why? I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll let somebody take it over one day and just see what happens. It could get weird. Eh, whatever. We'll just see. <laughs> just Steven's back there laughing like, oh, yeah, that could be weird, all right. It could be weird. So huge thanks to Fly Racing, Kenda Tires, and, of course, Stillwell Performance for their supportive seat time. Please go check them out at their, at their respective websites or go find a rep. Go to the local shop. Ask about them. See how you can support the scene because those guys definitely support us and support the scene that you guys are so in love with. So we appreciate that. Dad, thanks for being on the show. Well, yeah, I'm going to get ready to go home now. Yep, going to go swim back to Old Crossroads. And I just want to say... Whoever had the reason I don't have my Papa Pierce shirt, there's some some Mexican walking around Cabo with my Papa Pierce seat time shirt. So I hope he's enjoying it. So if you see me down in Cabo, it's not me. It's somebody in my shirt. Yeah, if you see a Mexican, he could have it. <laughs> we'll be as vague as possible. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for episode 167. We'll see you guys again next week. We'll talk a little bit more GNCC and some off-road news. Thanks, guys. Good night.